Well, glory to God. We're going to open up this morning over in Mark chapter 11, just to review the, the Scriptures. After being away on a business trip, there was a man who thought it would be nice to bring his wife home a gift. He was away for some time, and so he thought that a gift would be nice as he brought her home. So he walked up into a department store. He's at the cosmetic counter. And uh, he, the, the cosmetic lady, the lady behind the desk said, how about some perfume? And so she brought out a bottle costing $75. And he said, well, that's a bit much. <laughs> Do you have something else? So she came out with a smaller bottle, and that one was 50 well, so that's still a bit much. Uh, do you have anything smaller than that? So she came out and brought this teeny tiny little bottle, and it was 30 bucks. And so he said, well, you, you're just not understanding. He says, what, I, what I'm asking for is to see something really cheap. So she reached underneath and pulled out a mirror and handed it to him. <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we're just not clear on what we're asking for. And we need to be clear on what that is. We, uh, we're over here in Mark chapter, Mark chapter 11, where it says, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. We're going to focus in today on the asking part again, because we need to know what it is that we're asking for. What is it that we're asking for in prayer? As we were over this last week, we looked at Israel's revelation over his children and how we spoke those revelations out and how those things came about in those lives. But he was praying, and as he prayed, he got revelation on his kids, and then he spoke those things out that he saw. He was not prophesying in the, in the sense that I'm going to change or I'm going to alter your life by what I say. He saw what God had revealed to him about each of these children, and he spoke those things out. And we spent some time on that, looking at that also brought this out, what is revealed to us must have an impact on how we pray, believe, and live. What was revealed to Israel about his children had an impact on what he prayed, on what he believed, and how he lived. And it needs to do the same thing for us. We need to let it have that on us. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. One of the first things we need to take note of when we're looking at this verse is that we are asking the Father. We must keep in mind that we are asking the Father. In Matthew 6, verse 8, it says, Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. When we come to God in prayer and we ask Him for things, we must understand we are asking Father God. And He knows what we have need of before we even ask. We are not going to prayer to inform God of what we need. How many times can we describe our prayers as informing God what we need? You don't know what I need. We saw this with Abraham, didn't we? Well, what, what good is all, all the blessings that you promise? I have no heir. In case you forgot God, I don't have any, any kids. God knew about that. He knew about that. We see in the life of Abraham how easy it was for him to believe for the blessings of God and finances. We see how easy it was for him to believe in the blessings of God to go out to war with his 200 servants and defeat kings and their armies. Doesn't even think about it. Just goes. But how difficult it was for him to believe God for a child. How many of you have some areas where it's really easy for you to believe and other areas where it's a struggle? 
or it's a battle. Don't worry about the parts that are a battle. Just keep on going with God. God will help. God will reveal the things that you need. God has no, He knows what you need before you ask Him. But just because you're having a battle in an area does not mean that God is not aware. God knows your needs before you ask Him. And just as Abraham, God dealt with him. God helped him out. Abraham, come on out here. Take a look up in the sky. See all those stars? Take a look at the sand. See all the sand that's on the beach here or, on the, or on the, in the desert? Look at all that sand. That's how your descendants are going to be. He kept feeding them. He kept building them up in there. He didn't condemn them. Didn't say slap them across the face. Say, why don't you believe yet? He was helping them out. Understand, we are asking the Father. This is a fa- our Father God that we are asking. And He knows what we need before we ask. In Matthew chapter 7, and verse 11, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Again, keep in mind that we are asking the Father. The Father God. And He says, If you, being an earthly father, know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more? But many times when Christians approach God the Father on a need, it is like He is less than a human father in what He'll give. But he tells, Jesus teaches us, How much more? Will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? Mark, or Luke chapter 11, verse 13 reads the same thing this way. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? How much more? Matthew chapter 18, verse 19. Again, I say to you, that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. When we ask the Father, we have to understand our Father is willing to give. He desires to give. He looks forward to it. In John chapter 14, verse 13, Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. He's looking for glory in this. When we ask the Father things, when we pray, we must remember that He is God, the Father. He is God, the Father. And that our asking should reflect that. Make sure that when we ask things of Him, we reflect that He's God, the Father. He's God. He's not someone who's just a little bit above man. He's God. He's not someone who we have to talk into doing good things. He's God, the Father. And Jesus says, if you guys know how to give good gifts to your kids, being evil, how much more? <laughs> Get that into our, our thinking. It seems some Christians ask the Father things like He is less than a human father. He is not less than a human father. He is greater than a human father. So, put it this way, summed it up here. So, when we ask, we are asking the Father who is God, who gives Good things. We're asking the Father who is God, who gives good things, asking in the name of the Son, asking for the purpose of giving glory to the Father. Keep those things in mind. This is what we're doing when we ask. So going back over to Mark chapter 11. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now this is the second half of his teaching. The first half, he said, If you speak to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. 
But again, in both instances, whether we are speaking to the mountain, mountain or if we are asking the Father, it makes no difference. We speak or we ask, we believe that we receive the thing that we ask for in prayer or believe that the thing is done that we said before we receive it, before that part comes to us. Matthew 18, well, we already read that one. So whatever things you ask. With, so I asked this question while we were preparing this, getting this ready. What things are we to ask for? What things are we to ask for? Now, just think back, you know, when you were a kid, and uh, for most of us, when we were kids, we had the wish book. Christmas wish book came out at Christmas time, and, and I forget what the other one was, but um, those things would come out. And if your parents came to you and said, ask us for anything in the book, then what would you do? Then you'd go through the book, J.C. Penney, Sears, whichever one it was, and you would go through the book, and you would look at all the things that are in the book, and then you would ask for something in the book. But you wouldn't ask for something outside of the book. You would ask for something inside the book because the instructions were, ask whatever you want in the book. So you stay within the book. Or maybe if they wanted to be careful about how much they spent, they'd say, ask anything between this page and this page. Or they might give some other restrictions on it, whatever it might be, but then you could just ask whatever it was that you wanted. But they gave you the, the range of things. So what is it if he says, ask the Father, what are the things that we are to ask the Father for? Going back over here to Matthew eleven twenty four. 24. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you, you shall have them. Believe that you receive them. John chapter 15, verse 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Whatever you ask the Father in my name. In verse uh, 23 of chapter 16. And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will. Whatever you ask the Father in my name. Whatever you ask the Father in my name. In verse 26, in that day you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. In that day you will ask in my name. So there's a day coming when we will ask in His name. It wasn't then, but He says there's coming a day you're going to ask in my name. And whatever you ask in my name, the Father will do. But these need to be things that bring glory to the Father. We saw from the other verses that we, that we read. Now, I've, as I was going over this, this came to me on this, on this thing. And so I wrote it down in your outline so that you would have it. I can only ask for what I do not have. Right? I can only ask what I do not have. When you were young, growing up, you could ask your parents for things that you did not have. But what would happen if you asked them for a thing that you had? They'd look at you funny, wouldn't you? You already had that. Don't you remember? I already got that for you. It's up in your room somewhere. Go clean up that room. You'll probably find it. These things were told to us. 
as we, as we were there. We already had it. I can only ask for those things I do not have. Now, Christians need to get this down. Because too many Christians are asking for things they already have. Remember Mark's description of this. Whatever we ask the Father, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So if I go and ask the Father for something I have already received, what am I doing? I'm asking for things that I have, which means I'm reinforcing the fact that I don't believe I got it. And you reinforce unbelief in yourself often enough, you'll just start speaking it out. It's just just normal. You just... You just think unbelief. It's a reaction. Now, let me give you an example of this. You may or may not be able to relate to this, but you all know I play hockey on Tuesday nights. And there's a thing that we do out on there playing, playing hockey. It's, it's a very fast sport. It's, it, it goes by quick. It's much faster than a lot of the other sports that you play. And you don't have time to necessarily react. To, to th- you can't think them through. You must just... Go with it. It has to, it has to become instinct. From the places for where you play in position. You just have to instinctively know so and so has moved out of their position. I must fill into their, their spot. But one of the things that you see this on the most is when you're doing some of the pass plays and some of the shots. Because when you pass in hockey, you can't pass slowly. If you pass slowly, guess what happens? Somebody else gets it. You cannot pass slowly. You've got to pass, and there's got to be some mustard on that pass. And so uh, when the pass comes, if sometimes the pass is coming to me, and I see that a person's out there, and I call for the puck, or he sees that I'm open, and he sends the pass my way, my reaction to the pass is before it ever leaves his stick. I have to start winding up and get ready for the sh- to hit the shot before the, the ball ever leaves his stick. And you have to time it out. And I mean, it's fractions of a second. You have to time it out how fast he's going to pass it so that you have your stick coming and it hits the spot where the pass is at that moment in order to put that shot on on that. And then, you know, you hope you're good enough that it actually hits in it. (laughs) Sometimes it it doesn't always do that. But I notice that sometimes, you know, you you wind up and they pass it and you, you just connect. You started swinging before they ever left that puck go, and you just hit it, and the, it's bing bang. It's in the, in the back of the net before the goalie can even take a step. And then other times, you know, you swing, and you just missed it by a fraction of a second, and you swung at nothing. You swung just the same, but nothing was there at the time because either the puck hadn't gotten there yet or you waited too long. And, and you, can't, you can't wait that. It has to be... Instinct. You've got to begin to teach yourself the instinct of the things. And so you, you're learning in those things in passing that you can't just look around at who to pass to. A lot of times you go into the corners and you come out with the puck and you got to, who am I going to pass to? And so before I go into the corner, I learn. You look around. Where is everybody? All right, I know how this one moves. I know how this one moves. I know how this one moves. And I have an expectation of where they will be by the time I turn around with the puck and where to put it. And so I pass where I believe they will be. Because if you stop and you take a look, and you well, where are they now? Well, then someone has already covered them. 
So it's all, it's all fast. It has to be instant. You have to just react to the thing. And so the more that you play, the more instinct it becomes. And the more you just respond to it and the more that you do it. And it's the same way, folks, with, the, with, our, with our words, with our belief. The more that I react in unbelief, the more that I ask for things that I already have, the more I train myself to disbelieve God. I'm quick to disbelieve. I don't even re- recognize it. Don't even recognize it. You see, when that, pe- when that person is winding up, I don't even think about all that that I just told you. All I do is I get ready to swing. And all those things just begin to, to factor in. And that if it factors in right, then you put that puck right on the goalie. But see, we're not, we're not training ourselves with the right instincts. I'm asking for things I already have. Sometimes we just need to take a moment. Do I already have this? Has God already given this to me? Now, we've made this mention over and over and over again. But healing is, is something that nowhere in the Word of God that anybody pray for. Why? Because it's something that you speak to. It's something that has been provided for you. Jesus already provided healing for us. It's already ours. At the cross is when. Just the same way that salvation was already provided for us. I don't ask God, oh God, please save me today. No, I already received that. It's already mine. Oh God, please forgive me. No, it's already mine. God's forgiven me. If I sinned and missed it, then I can ask God for forgiveness again. And it's already mine. He's given it to me. I cannot ask for things that I already have. So I've got to remember. What is it that I have? What is it I've been given? And if I already asked God for something that I can ask for, why am I asking for it again? Unless I need more of it. Am I just disbelieving that He actually gave me the thing that I asked for? But as I was thinking about this, we wanted to come up with an answer on this. What things am I to ask God for? Because His first part of this teaching was the mountains that we are to speak to. There are certain things that we are to speak to that we are to say. How many of you remember back in the Old Testament that there was a man who needed more sun, more daylight? He wanted the day to be longer. How many of you remember that story that he asked God for the sun to stand still? That is not true. He did not ask God for the sun to stand still. He told it to. He said, sun, stand still. Moon, commanded it to, to stay in the valley where it was. Not to, not to go. He told it. He didn't ask God anything. And yet, so, well, at one point where it's described, it said that he asked God of it. But he didn't. He just spoke to it. Because he understood this was a mountain I can speak to. He didn't know all that teaching yet. He's just walking in it. There are some things that are already provided for us. And we're wasting time asking God for it. All we're doing is reinforcing disbelief in that I already have it. When you were a kid, if you had more than one brother and sister, or you know, if you weren't the only, only child there, one of the ways, because one of the things we would do when we were kids is figure out how to get the other one in trouble. You know, you know I never did that? <laughs> he did it all the time. How can we get the other one in trouble? And so when you found out that mom or dad was not in the mood to be asked a certain question. You would try and work it so that that other child would ask mom and dad for it. 
and then see what happens. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was good. Don't do that yourself, Bo. <laughs> but, you know, we would do that. We'd try and find ways to get each other in trouble. And, uh, and sometimes, you know, my sister and I, my sister and I, we were probably the best at it of the, of the two, the whole house. We were good. We could get each other in trouble. I remember one time I was sitting there washing the dishes and my sister was drying or vice versa. I don't remember which part that was. And then all of a sudden, I mean, we're just there doing this. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, she said, Steve, stop it. I'm not doing anything. And I said that quiet, but she said it all out. I told you, quit it. Stop it. Well, you know, it didn't take too long. Somebody call on down. Steve, cut it out. Now, I had a lifestyle that they believed I was probably doing something. <laughs> so it wasn't hard to get that going on. And, you know, I got in trouble and didn't do a thing. That's all right. I got her back. <laughs> and we just, you know, we would do stuff like that with, the, with each other. And, and um, we don't do that anymore. We get along much better now. <laughs> we don't try and get each other in trouble. We help each other out. But uh, it was not always so. And so you could find out, you know, if you could, you'd get that sibling to ask a certain question, then they would get themselves in trouble. Well, you know, our enemy goes around and he wants us to ask for things that we already have. He wants us to ask for things when we're supposed to speak to it. Because it just messes us up. We're not obeying. God's saying up there, don't you understand? Revelation is supposed to have an impact on your prayer life. On your belief, on your life, on what you do. It's supposed to have an impact on it. Well, let's take a look at some of the things that we are exhorted in the Word of God to ask for. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep, having no shepherd. Then he said... To his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his field, into his harvest. Well, he's teaching us here. This is something we can ask for, right? One of the things we can ask for in prayer is that the Lord would send laborers out into the field. And if you're going to pray that, you ought to be praying and Father God, I'm one of them. Send me out into the field. Show me where the harvest is. I want to be a harvester. I want to be in a send me out into the field. And we, we can ask God for this. Is this not asking something? This is not something we're to speak to. We're not supposed to speak to harvest. We're to ask God to send out laborers into the field. Now let me ask you this. Is it God's will that people go out into the field? Is it God's will that the harvest be brought in? Then why in places do we have to tell God to do so? I mean, if God wants it, why doesn't He just do it? He wants it, right? Why doesn't he just do it? How many of you, when you were growing up, you had certain chores around the house? And your parents wanted those chores done. Take out the trash, cut the lawn, wash the dishes, whatever the, the chores were. They wanted those chores done. And they would get on your case. Did you get that done yet? Did you? No, no. Well, get it done. Come on, let's go. How many times did we ever think, well, if you want it done so bad, why don't you do it? Now, we may have thought that. I don't know if we said it. <laughs> but you, you may have thought that, right? When you're growing up. If you want that done so bad, why don't you do it? See, sometimes we think that with God. If you want this done so bad, why don't you get out there and do it? Because He needs us to do it. He needs us to do it. Remember the story back in the Ezekiel? And Ezekiel was brought over to a field of dry bones. 
And he said, son of man, uh, prophesy over these bones. And so he prophesied over the bones and all the bones came together. And he said, prophesy again. And he prophesied again and then flesh came to all those bones. Why did he need the man to prophesy? Because God cannot do anything on this earth unless we speak it. He needs man to do so. That's why Jesus had to become a man. That's why he says, you pray the Lord to send laborers into the field. I need someone to pray for it to go on. Give me that opportunity. Same way that he needed a man to offer up his son as a sacrifice so that he could offer up his. He needs us to do some things. The harvest is truly plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his, into his harvest. Now, how many times have we said this to ourselves? There is no harvest. I keep talking to people. And they keep turning me down. They don't want to accept Jesus. They don't want to come out to church. How many times have we said this? What are we doing? I am doubting what the Word of God says, that the harvest is truly plentiful. Now look at it this way. When the Jehovah's Witnesses go out, are they winning people over? When the Muslims go out, are they winning people over? Then why is it the Christians have the idea that no one... Wants to come. I mean, the Muslim religion is a very oppressive religion. Very oppressive. There's not a whole lot of joy in what the Jehovah's Witness teach. Stop saying to yourself, well, no one's going to listen to me. Nope. Go back to this verse. Father, you said the harvest is plentiful. All right, bring me into that plentiful harvest. I thank you, Father. And go in with that attitude, the harvest is plentiful. Don't go in with the attitude, the harvest is scarce. Go in with the attitude, the harvest is plentiful. In Psalms chapter 2 and verse 8, Ask of me and I will give you the nations of, of, for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. How many of you are asking for that in your prayers? I mean, even if you don't want to go as far as the nations, how about just asking for where you work? How about asking for your neighborhood? How about asking for your relatives? You need to be starting doing some of this thing. Luke chapter 11, verse 5. And he said to them, Which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight? Say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. And a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me. The door is now shut, and my children are in bed with me. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? We already read that last verse, but that's the rest of the what's in there. Now, we spend time teaching this whole parable. And I'm not going to try and teach the whole parable. If you want to, I believe all the parable things are all up online. You can go up there and get it yourself and listen to the whole thing, if any of this is, is new to you. But this is a person who's going to the neighbor to ask for bread. We went over why it is the neighbor always has bread and why he went to him at midnight. And he went to him on behalf of a friend. There are people that we know that do not know how to go to God directly for bread, the bread of life, but we can go and help them out. We can be that intercessor. We can be that one who stands in the, in the midst. We can be the one who knocks on the door and asks. But we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on all the details of that. The details of that parable are just absolutely phenomenal. And uh, if you don't know them, make sure you go up there and get some of that stuff. 
So here's another thing we can ask for, and that's the Holy Spirit. I can ask for the Holy Spirit. If I ask ask God for the Holy Spirit, what will He do? He'll give it to me. I'll get it. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul of prayer, uh, prayer of Paul, the Father of glory may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of His calling, what are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty hand. This is what He's asking the Father on behalf of the church for wisdom, revelation, and understanding. That means, folks, that that's one of the things we can ask for, right? I can ask for wisdom. I can ask for revelation. I can ask for understanding. Now, he said he continually asked this for them because how many of y'all know there's always more wisdom? There's always more revelation. There's always more understanding to be had. If I keep pressing in and pressing in, there's more to be had. So I'm going to be asking God for more. Ask God for more. These are things we can ask for. Wisdom, revelation, and understanding. But the prerequisite in the in Mark is that when I ask, I need to go out there and believe that I've received. From the time that I ask, I've got to believe that from that moment, I have received it. And then, down the road, I will have it. So when I ask God for wisdom on, my, on a matter, what do I need to say? If somebody comes to you, what are you going to do about that situation? Oh, I don't know, man. This is just keeping me up at night. I don't know what I'm going to do. Did I believe I received? Absolutely not. What should you be saying? Of course I have the answer. What is it? Well, I'm not ready to say yet. Don't lie about it. Don't lie about it. I prayed to God. I asked God for wisdom in that, and I believe God gave it to me. What are you going to do? Don't know yet. Don't need to know yet. As soon as I need to know, I'll, I'll know exactly what to do. You can still speak in faith and not have to lie about it. You ought to be pressing into the Word of God and asking God for revelation in His Word. Father God, I see this thing here in Your Word. I'm not sure about what to do with that. How does that affect me? How does that affect my prayer? How does that affect my life? And God will give you revelation. Thank you, Father God. I thank You that I have revelation on that. Glory to God. And every time that thing comes up and it perplexes you, don't sit there and, and get in doubt and unbelief. I don't know about that. I, I think the whole Scripture might be wrong because I don't understand this thing. Oh, that is so wrong. That is doubt and unbelief just weaving its way right into your life. And your response is going to be doubt and unbelief. You're training yourself to doubt and to, un, and to disbelieve. Don't train yourself that way. Train yourself to believe. If, if your mind wants to keep you up at night because that matter that you need wisdom on, because of that question that you need revelation on, just put, look, I don't, I don't obviously need to know just yet. God hasn't told me just yet, but the answer is on its way. In the same way that Daniel asked God and God sent an angel, and it took a little while for that angel to get through, that answer is coming to me. I'll have it. Wisdom. Revelation. Understanding. How many of you have certain matters that have gone on that you don't know what to do. How many of you know other Christians that certain things have happened in their life and because of a lack of understanding, it is a stumbling block in their life. And all they talk about is their lack of understanding. I don't know why that happened. But that happened and so I'm not going to believe God. I'm not going to trust God. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to go to church. I'm not going to... Whatever it might be. They say all these things out there because of the lack of understanding on that. It bound them up. Folks, don't get into that position. Don't get into that position at all. 
There are some things that God wants to pour out an understanding on. There are some things that the Word of God says the secret thing belongs to the Lord. You trust Him anyway. But you ask God and He'll give it to you. Over in chapter 3 of Ephesians, verse 16, that He would grant you, this is His second prayer, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might through His Spirit in the inner man that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I summed it up this way. Strength, indwelling, and comprehension. He played, prayed for strength. We need to sometimes... How many of y'all know sometimes in your life you need to pray for strength? But then once you pray for strength, don't go out there and say, Oh, I'm so weak. Oh, I just feel like I'm so weak. I don't know that I can... But did you pray? Did you receive it when you pray? Well, I don't know. I don't feel any different. Dear Lord, no wonder you don't get it. Pray for strength. Pray for, and believe that you got it. Father God, I thank you that I ask for strength in this and I can overcome this. This is not going to knock me over. And stop talking about, well, if this doesn't change, if I don't feel better here, if I don't get this. Thing. No, stop changing that. Stop talking that way. You, did you pray for strength? When you prayed, did you believe that you received it? Have it indwelling, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Well, I just don't feel like God's anywhere near me. Oh, I feel like I'm in a wilderness place. Oh, I was reading that book about being in the wilderness place. Oh, I'm, that's, I so identify with that. Oh, that helped me out so much. How did it help you out? Because you can identify with someone else who feels alone, like no one else is around. Throw that book of unbelief out. You don't need it. I don't read books about wilderness places. You want to read them? You go ahead. You'll have all of them because I won't pull them off the shelf. They will not come near me. I will not read them. Nor do I listen to people who talk about wilderness places. They can be out in the wilderness all they want to. God does not call us to be out in the wilderness. Well, Israel went through the wilderness. You know how long they were supposed to be there? A couple of weeks, as long as it took to get from the land of Egypt to the land of the promised land. Stopping at Sinai on the way. They made it a whole lot longer than it needed to be. It was their doubt and unbelief that caused it to be that way. When they were going through the wilderness, where was God? Did He forget them? He was there, wasn't He? He's a pillar of, of uh, fire at, at uh, nighttime. He's a cloud of protection over the daytime. So they weren't too hot in the day. They were warm at night. He brought food down to them. He gave them water. Was God around them? In miraculous ways. How many wanted a wilderness experience like that? Water coming out of a rock. Bread coming out of heaven. Armies just die to your left and to your right. Mountains have God visit them. Powerful things went on in that wilderness. How many of you would like to have a wilderness experience like that? <laughs> yeah, stop reading those books. Throw them out. Don't, I don't care who wrote them. Don't tell me about who wrote them. I don't want to know who wrote them. I don't read them. I don't want to know what they have to say. My expectation is not that God is ever silent with me. If you have that expectation, you ought to get rid of it. Because the Word of God tells me, my Father God will never leave me nor forsake me. The Word of God tells me the Holy Spirit is with me. God gave it to me. And He's always here. Always. That's what I believe. And I go on that way. What if you don't feel it that way all the time? I don't care how I feel. I like what Smith Wigglesworth said when he was asked, how do you feel today? 
And he said, I don't ask Miss Wigglesworth how he feels. I tell him. <laughs> I tell him. Satan wants to come on in and begin to tell you, you're lonely. You're depressed. God's not speaking to you. Tell him to shut up. I don't care if you feel God or not. He's there because he said so. Trust him. Believe him. If you want to have a wilderness experience, have one like Israel had. Not one where people are wandering around trying to find God. Maybe someday He'll speak to me again. Dear Lord, He is that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I have an indwelling. His other part here was about comprehension. That I could comprehend with all the saints whether it's the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Boy, there's a prayer. <laughs> when you get filled with all of God that you can hold. Is that it? No. Your capacity can grow. You can get bigger. Get bigger. Grow in your capacity. You may be holding all of God that you can right now. But glory to God, you're growing. Tomorrow, day after that, you'll be able to hold more. And God will fill you up with some more. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, to ask that you may be filled with all the knowledge, with the knowledge of His will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy. We see some of the same things prayed for here that we already covered, but here's something. He says, He talks about the walk and faithfulness. He's making a request to God that your walk may be worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him and being fruitful. You can go to God and say, Father God, I thank You for the help that You give me. I want a walk that is worthy of You. Father God, I want my life to be a life that is fruitful for You. I can ask God for that. And I should be asking God for those kind of things. That's stuff that we ought to do. Acts chapter 4, verse 24. So when they heard that, the threatenings, that they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why do the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. To do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. We already saw that they were already bold. But they say, grant us more boldness. All right, we're already operating at this level. Let's get into a higher level. By stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Signs and wonders. So they prayed here for boldness and they prayed for signs and wonders. When was the last time you asked God for boldness in your life and for signs and wonders? And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the Word of God with boldness. So that increased. They asked God for these things. We saw also that we can pray and ask to know the will of God. We saw this with Jesus in the garden. Paul trying to go to Rome. We already talked about that in the, the times before. Jesus' prayer for those who were in the, 
that were his in John chapter 7. We saw some of the things he asked for. But what, you, what I want you to see in all this list is the things that, he's, that people were asking for. They're asking for strength. They're asking for boldness. They're asking for indwelling. They're asking for understanding and wisdom and knowledge. They're asking for the harvest. These are things that they're asking for. But yet, if we examine our prayers, when we come to God, most of the time, we are asking for things we've already been given. We're asking for things we're supposed to speak to, and we're not spending any time on the things in the Word that it's told us to ask. Now, going back to Mark chapter 11, verse uh, 24. What things we ask when we pray, believe that we receive them, and we shall have them. In order for me to believe that I receive the things I pray for, there has to be something that builds my faith. Most people go to prayer with a faith in God that does not come from the Word of God. They come with a hope that something might change. Oh, Father, I just feel so much this way. I just pray that you help me to get through this day. I pray that you help me to overcome this. It's garbage prayer. Why in the world are you even wasting time? Why are you wasting God's time? God's already given you those things. You're asking for things you already have. Why are you wasting time on that? God's on a positive note. He gets on a positive side of things. He, he wants us to come to Him and say, Oh, Father God, I thank You for this day. I thank You that I am one of the laborers sent into the field. That You're going to lead me into places and let me see where the harvest is. And you're thinking, Oh, you don't know where I work. You don't know where I live. You don't know. I've already talked to people. There's no harvest there. Go back to the story where Jesus sent His disciples into town. And they all went into town. They came out with food. Jesus was anticipating something else. And so he's talking to the woman who was there by the well. And she got so excited about the things that were shared. She went into town and grabbed all of them and they brought them all out. There was a harvest and the disciples didn't even see it. Did not even see it. And then this whole mass of people come out to hear Jesus teach. Folks, we are walking into harvest areas and not seeing it. So ask God for the harvest. Ask God, Father God, I thank you that you helped me to see the harvest. I am a harvester. And beside me, Father, send some other people out in there too. Let's bring them on in. Let's help them out. I can pray, Father God, I thank you that I am strong. But I thank you that you strengthen me. Father God, I thank you that I am bold. But I thank you that you grant me more boldness. Father, I thank you for the signs and wonders that have gone on in the past. But I thank you for more signs and wonders that will go on to be a witness to the people that I'm around that the harvest will continue to go. We need to change our attitude in prayer, folks. Our attitude in prayer is a lot of times defeat. We come into God and we're already groaning and complaining about how bad it is, how poor we are, how much we've endured, all the things that we've gone through. Oh, God, you don't know how bad my life is. Oh, you don't know all the things that I face. Oh, it's just been so tough. But I've still been faithful to you. I've still stayed there. I still go to church. I still read your Bible. I still pray. I still do all these things. Look how good I am is what we're saying. 
And God says, man, when you get when you start to believe things, then we'll see some stuff change. We're not believing. We're going to God grumbling and complaining. I don't really expect anything to be answered. I'm waiting till I receive it, then I'll believe. We've messed up that, we've messed up that verse. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, after you have received them, believe you got them. That's how, we're, that's how we live it. That's how we live it. Well, I was depressed yesterday. I'm still depressed today. I don't think I'm going to go to church. I'm just depressed. I'm just down. I'm just... <sighs> once I get over this, once God gets me through this thing, I'll get back into church. I'll get back over to where the believers are. I'll get back into the Word. See, we've messed it up. We're not doing what He said. There are some things that you speak to. There are some things that you ask for. I don't speak to revelations. I ask for them. I don't speak to wisdom. I ask for it. James teaches us the same thing. If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, knowing that he gives to all liberally. God will give me liberally the wisdom that I need. So I need to go on from there saying, I've got the wisdom I need. And God has given me wisdom. God has given me understanding. And I go out in the joy of that. Instead, we're all walking around in this gloom and doom. Oh, I don't know. I just hope that God comes soon because I'm sure tired of living down here. It's no good. The whole world's evil. I guess God made a mistake putting you in the earth now. Doggone, he should have thought of that. You just weren't cut out for it. No, you go to God and say, Father God, I thank you that you have put me here in these end times. That there is something inside of me that you said, I need you here during this time. And Father God, I am going to rise up to the occasion. I'm going to walk into these harvest fields that I thought were barren and, and see the harvest. I'm going to see the harvest. And you're going to give me words to speak and I'm going to have words to speak. And signs and wonders and boldness are going to come out of my life. Then I'm going to be able to do things. Well, you don't know where I work. They don't let me do stuff like that. Well, Jesus never had any of those limitations put on him, did he? John, Peter, they didn't have any of those limitations put on them. Everyone's like, oh, preach the word. Come on. <laughs> right? They didn't have any limitations put on them. Paul, when he went out into cities, they welcomed him with open arms. Please come and teach us more. And they all accepted it. This is the greatest stuff in the world we ever heard. Every place that Jesus went, they were all thrilled that Jesus came. <laughs> right? No, that was not always the case. There were some places that they were not so excited that Jesus was there. We're glad when he left. There were some people who rose up or so mad at Paul, they followed him to make sure that wherever he went, he had a hard time. They made it their life's work to give Paul difficulty. There are countries in this world right now that for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, you could die. And yet they still preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God still goes out and people still get saved. If they can get people saved in those countries, why in the world can't we get people saved here? Because we don't expect it. We're, our eyes are not looking to see any harvest around. We have determined that the harvest isn't there. So we walk into a place just like the disciples did to buy food and get out of here fast. There's no harvest here. Hogwash. The Lord said, the fields are white unto harvest. Pray the Lord of the harvest. Send that laborers in the field. So pray the Lord of the harvest. Send that laborers in the field. And then say, I'm one. 
I'm one. Send me. Send me. I'm ready. <laughs> who can I who can I go talk to and be praying for people that you've ministered to? Father God, I thank you for another opportunity to share the word of God with them. I thank you for I, I, I thank you that the, the word of God I've shared with them so far. It's it's coming alive inside of them. These are things you can be asking for in prayer. You can be thinking about other believers and praying for them. Father God, I thank you that you give so-and-so, brother and sister so-and-so, strength. I thank you that you give them wisdom and understanding, comprehension of the things of God. Look, you be praying for that. Instead of what are we doing? Lord, you don't know how hard it is. Oh, it's so hard going through this. Please take this thing away from me. It's so difficult. It's so... Oh. We're not speaking to what we need to speak to. We're not asking for the things we're supposed to be asking for. And we sure art in faith for either one. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will come to pass, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask for in prayer, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. Taught us how to do it. Taught us how to do it. Taught us what to do. And the Word of God has told us many things to pray for. But most of the things that I hear Christians asking for in prayer are not listed. We're wasting time asking for things that don't need to see the light of day in our prayer life. Some things are just to be spoken to and some things we are just to ignore. Just ignore it. When your body comes up and says, Oh, I'm depressed today. Help me out. Let's be depressed together. Say, No! I'm not going to be depressed. I'm not, I'm not going to give in to that. I'm standing up against those things. Speak to the things that need to change and ask God for the things He's instructed us to ask God for. Now notice, we're not limited to these things. I can ask God for anything that I can have faith for. But the faith must be built up from the Word of God. Not my hopes and what I just dreamed that maybe God might do. No. Where is it in the Word of God? What in the Word of God gives you faith for that? Something in the Word of God is there. If not, then maybe it's not something you need to ask for. Maybe it's something you already have. And just speak to that thing that's going on. You can change your prayer life. Folks, we measure prayers by minutes and hours. God measures it by faith. How much faith was there. It's the same thing. Here's an example for you. Here's the same thing it's with sleep. How many of you measure how much sleep you got by the number of hours? Well, I only got five hours of sleep last night, so no wonder I'm tired. I only got five hours. We measure it in hours. When I was in, when I was in junior high school, I had this teacher who, and I, I remember his class. I, remember, I don't remember his name, but I remember his class. I remember his face. I remember the day he taught this lesson. There are not many things I learned in junior high school that I remember to this day. But this was one of them. This is one of those things that caught hold of me and grabbed my attention, slapped me upside the face, and I said, I'm going to understand what this guy is talking about. And he talked about an individual. And he was talking about sleep. And he says, your body does not need eight hours of sleep. Your body needs minutes of sleep. It's a certain kind of sleep. 
The REM, you all heard about it, REM sleep. Your body needs so many minutes of REM sleep. And I don't know what the minutes are. I forget what all that was. You know, it might be 30, it might be 60, but it's a low number compared to how long we are asleep. He said the problem that most people spend five, six, seven, eight hours of sleep for is because it takes so long to get into REM sleep and then they get pulled out and then they have to get back into REM sleep again and then they get pulled out and back into REM sleep again. He said this guy found a way to get himself from here down into REM sleep, spend the entire time he needed there in REM sleep and come right back out and I believe he slept a total of two hours and functioned perfectly. Was not tired. Every day, two hours of sleep. He learned how to train his body. I don't know what he learned. I didn't find those things out. Somehow he trained his body to get down into REM sleep and stay there and then come back out of it and then he'd get up. Now most of you, if you woke up after two hours, would say instantly, oh, that's not enough sleep. And you would immediately go back to, back to get some rest and, and do some things. We measure sleep in hours when really all you need is effective sleep, that REM sleep. Apparently, you need only so much time. And I, again, you know, people who are medical professionals can tell you better what the, the time of all that is. But if we would just quit measuring prayer by how long we spent in it and measure it by how much faith we had in the things that we said, we'd have a much better idea. There we got people that spend three hours in prayer and zero in faith. Nothing. No faith at all. Doesn't help them out. I think I told this story before, but there was a story of a man who had a whole bunch of wood to cut. And he walked into the hardware store and he says, I got a whole bunch of wood to cut. I need something that will cut it up fast. And so he, he got him this big chainsaw. I mean, it was a big one. It was not one of those little tiny ones that you get over there. You know, you start it up and you, you, you. No, this is one that vroom, vroom. <laughs> it's ready to go. And so he, uh, he uh, got it all there for him and laid it all out. And he, he walked on home and, and he, he, he worked on it for about a week. And he, he didn't even get one tree done. Came on back to the hardware store. I said, I think it's just not working. I, I spent a whole week on it. I, only got, I didn't even get one tree done. He says, man, I, said, I don't understand how that could be. Bring it over here. Let's see if we can work on it and figure out what's going on. And so he went over there and he pulled the ripcord and started it up. And then go, vroom, vroom. And the guy said, wow. It never made that noise before. But see, too many people in prayer never have started it up. They're using a nice big chainsaw like it's a handsaw. We're using prayer without faith. It does not matter how long you spend in prayer. It matters how effective you are. Learn to ask God for the things that He asks for. And understand you're asking a person who wants to answer these things. He desires to answer. If he desires, ask, why do I need to spend an hour asking him to do it? All I need to do is ask in faith, believe that I've received it and it's done. That'll shorten your prayer life up a whole lot. Smith Wigglesworth, again, I believe it was him who, who said, uh, somebody asked him, said, how long do you, do you spend in prayer? He says, I very seldom spend more than five or ten minutes in prayer. Very seldom spend more than that on it. They looked at him and said, Really? Or maybe he said 30 minutes. He says, yeah, I don't think I've hardly ever spent more than 30 minutes in prayer. But I never let more than five or ten minutes go between prayers. He just stayed in a, in a 
attitude of prayer. Sometimes we're just walking along and asking God, God, what do you, I see that thing over there. We just, I'm asking for that. Or we just talk to God about the about a thing. Have a good one. Prayer does not need to be long to be effective. And when you're in prayer, you don't always have to be asking God for things. There's other, other conversations you can have with God. But when you're asking God for things, make sure you ask for things that the Word of God has built you up to have faith for. We gave you a pretty good list of things. But if you spend more time in the Word of God, you can find some more. Ask God for what He says to ask us, ask Him for, and then you can have faith for it. And all you need is to ask God what He wants to do with faith, believing that you've received it, and you got it. You got it. Just like Daniel. Father God, I need to know about this. Go. Send the angel. Let him know. One time he came right away, but one time it took three weeks. It wasn't because God slowed up on it. Because the devil didn't want that answer to get through. But Daniel never doubted, never wavered, just kept on going. This is how we can be. What kind of things are you asking God for? What kind of things are you asking God for? Put this in your outline. When we ask anything, we can ask anything in prayer as long as we have faith to believe we receive it when we pray. And faith comes when we understand the Word. Grow in your understanding of the Word of God. You'll grow in your faith what they ask for. We're believing God just for six people by the end of the year. How in the world can we not accomplish that? If God wants us to harvest in souls and we want to harvest in souls... And the Word of God commands us to go on out there and then He'll be with us. He'll give us boldness, signs and wonders. Then why in the world are we going out in the world with the idea that there's, well, there's not much I can do? Well, you don't know where I work. Yep, God forgot. God puts you where you work because He wants you to be a light there. God has you in the neighborhood you're in because He wants you to be a light there. And you can be. But you've got to get up in the morning and look at yourself in the eye and say, you know what? I can be a light for God. I can be a voice for God. I can be bolder for God today than I was yesterday. And signs, miracles, and wonders will follow. Because I can ask God for them. I can ask God for them. If Paul could pray them for the church, glory to God, you can ask them for yourself. And you can begin to ask them for other people in the church. Father God, I thank you for brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so. Signs and wonders and miracles are following their life. Boldness. Understanding. Faith in their prayers. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we just thank you today that you help us to accomplish your will here. Your will is to reach people. Your will is to win the lost. Your will is to get people filled with the Holy Spirit and to get people to grow in God. I thank you that you help us to accomplish that. To win people over. To win the lost over. To get them filled with the Holy Spirit. And to grow them spiritually. And you help us to accomplish those things. Thank you, Father. When we go to prayer, we can ask for things that you told us in your word you want to do. And we don't have to talk you in anything. We can have faith to believe that what we ask for, we receive. Help us to identify wrong prayers, wrong asking. That we're asking for things that we ought not to be, asking for things we should have spoken to. I thank you, Father, for the understanding to know the difference. 
to let your word have an impact on our life. That the revelations we have in your word impact our prayers, our belief, and the way we live. We thank you for the help that you give us in it. And 